friends, welcome. I'm Andrew Hicks, and you're listening to the Text and Context Podcast. I'm trying out the Britney Spears mic today, <laughs> see if that works. And I, I, I kid you not, well, I have no, there we go. Ooh, I can hear myself, goodness. Uh, I kid you not, David put this on this morning, tested it, and he started singing some Britney Spears up in here, so... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Good morning, everybody. How are you? You look good. That's for sure. What do you think about the new arrangement in here? It's not bad. I, I like it. Uh, yeah. I had nothing to do with it, honestly. So thank you to those who made it happen yesterday uh, and then put it back together this morning because Hog was in here last night. So, But thank you to everybody who did that. Uh, it looks, it looks really good. I like it. It'll look better whenever it's not still under construction, you know, but that's fine. We'll get there one step at a time. We're all still under construction, right? There you go. Make it deep and personal. There we go. Um, so a few announcements before I, I get going, just some things to touch base with you about, uh, Passover. It's coming. It's coming down the pipeline. Make plans to be there with us. It's going to be really great. Ron and I are heading out to Sam's Club tomorrow to buy all the stuff for it. So you want to be there. It's going to be great. That's Friday the 15th, 6 to 9. There's some paper sign-ups. Rosemary's been sending out the link. You can just sign up for it online. That's the easiest way to go about it. Sunrise Easter service is coming. And Linda asked me this, and this was a good question. Uh, there's the sunrise service, and then there's still our regular service. So you, you just get an extra dose of the fun. That's No. So uh, the sunrise service, and then this, and then there's a potluck afterwards out at the pavilion with celebration. Uh, so if you want to join that, please. It'll, it'll be a hoot and a half. So come do that. Uh, also, uh, on April 22nd, that's a Friday night, there's something called the I Am Jam which is just a big worship night that they're doing. Hog is uh, running the first one. But, get this, Church of Christ is in charge of communion for the first one. So they're going to do communion at it. Um, Look, I talk every week, okay? So I'll do it if you want me to. I don't mind to. I would love to say something for communion. But if anybody feels led to do something for communion, let me know and you got it. It's yours. Um, if you as a family unit want to do it, great, do it. That's, that's you. You do it. I, I talk every week. I don't need more time. It's, it's fine. You, you, you go for it. So if, if you feel led to do that, let me know. That's April 22nd. Uh, starts at 7 uh, in here at the gathering. Uh, and then there was one other thing I was going to say. Oh, big one. So the gathering, um, we have a Hispanic church that is probably going to join us here at the gathering. Um, they'll have a service on Friday nights. It's kind of a church plant from another church, and I don't remember the name of the big church. It's a church, and they are planting a, a another service here. It's from not quite in Bastrop. It's like out in Mesa or something. Sure, uh, it's somewhere in Texas for sure. And uh, but they're planting here uh, a small group uh, that will meet every Friday. Uh, so that'll be. A wonderful thing. Just wanted to let you know about that and praise God for that. Okay, enough of that. Enough of the boring stuff. That is a great question, Steve. They may not have it nailed They, I don't think they do yet. Yeah, they're doing like a Wednesday night thing or something to yeah, meet they, just together. They're enjoying with uh, us on Wednesday, one of the Wednesday nights to just okay. kind of get to know each yeah. other. And so we're still seeing if it's a good fit and it looks very promising. That. 
Yes. I should have let David announce this. I don't know why I thought I should announce it. Anyway, there you go. Now you're in the loop. Let's get to something more interesting, the Bible. Uh, so I'm in Mark this morning again uh, because I just can't keep away from Mark. I love Mark, and I love the way he tells the story of Jesus. And um, did you notice anything weird about those passages we read this morning from Mark? Anything stand out to you that just made you go, what? Anything? He keeps telling them to not tell anybody. This is Jesus. Like, wouldn't you want to, like, proclaim it from the rooftops? Tell everybody, get the word out. Let's put it on Facebook and put out an APB and do the whole. I mean, wouldn't you think everybody would want to know? It's Jesus. He's the savior of the world. Tell the world. But no, he heals people. And then he's like, shh. And then uh, the disciples, he'll teach them something or they'll notice something about Jesus or Peter straight up confesses, you are the Christ. And then Jesus says, good, shh, don't tell anybody. And, th and then the demons, did you notice the demons? He casts them out or tells them to be quiet because they know who he is. And that's why he tells them to be quiet. What? That is crazy. Oh, if only I had a good answer to that question. <laughs> I don't. Um, but maybe we can just piece it together. Maybe we can just see why that might be. I don't know. Let's look in, let's look in Mark. That's a good place to start. So let's look in Mark. I'm going to be in chapter 8. So you can go ahead and start turning there. Mark chapter 8. And I will say also, um, so Jesus being secretive about his ministry that happens in other Gospels, Matthew, Luke, John, but it happens the most in the early chapters of the Gospel of Mark. He really emphasizes that. He wants you to see that in the way he's telling the story of Jesus. What an odd thing to do when you tell the story of Jesus. Secret secrets from God's Son. Secret secrets are no fun. Why don't you just shoot straight and tell me the truth? Goodness, Jesus. Okay, so last time I was in Mark... Um, we talked about the bread. Oh, the bread. Oh, Jesus does all this amazing thing, and the disciples are freaking out about the bread. Oh, my word. People, it's not about the bread, right? Well, if you thought it was over, it's not, because the disciples are back at it again. Look in chapter 8. I'm going to start in verse 14. Now, the disciples had forgotten to bring any bread. Oh, man. They didn't have to-go containers this time. And they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of Herod. Okay, teaching moment, right? Jesus is in the boat. They only have one loaf. They're getting into the boat. The Pharisees and Sadducees had just demanded a sign. They're being um, really um, antagonistic to Jesus's ministry. And so Jesus sees a teaching opportunity. He's a master teacher. They have one bread. And Jesus goes, hey, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They, it's, like, it's like a yeast. It just works through the whole dough. Just a little bit of doubt, a little bit of, of fear, and it, it ruins the whole thing. It gets all in there. It's like an infection, maybe. And the disciples are like, oh, that's a great illustration, Jesus. Thank you. I'll put that in my notebook. No. The disciples, verse 16, they said to one another, it's because we don't have any bread. He's not talking. He's talking about yeast. He's not even. Oh, he's saying that because we forgot to bring enough bread. Oh, 
We should have known better. We should have packed more. The disciples, bless their hearts. They're just not getting it, are they? I mean, they're not the sharpest tools in the shed. You know what I'm saying? They're just they're not the sharpest knives in the drawer. They're a few fries short of the Happy Meal. It just, it's not working out. Verse 17, becoming aware of it, Jesus said to them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you hear the, do you hear the exhaustion in Jesus' voice at this point? Do you still not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes and fail to see? Do you have ears and fail to hear? And do you not remember? Jesus is being a little snarky at this point, I think. Yes, he is the Messiah and the Son of God, but Jesus can be snarky. I think he's being a little snarky. Wouldn't you at this point, honestly, right? It sounds like something my mama would say to me if I wasn't behaving and I just kept doing things she told me not to. Do you have eyes and fail to see? Ouch. How, that hurts. That's, that's a pretty good one. Um, do you not remember, verse 19, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of broken pieces did you collect? And they said to him, 12. And then the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you collect? And they said to him, seven. And then he said to him, do you not yet understand? It's like Jesus says, okay, you want to talk about the bread? Let's talk about the bread. And he goes through and lists, whenever I fed the 5,000 plus, how many did we have left over? 12 basketfuls. Whenever I fed the 4,000, how many did we have left? We had seven baskets left over. You're not getting this yet? And notice we don't get their answer. Or do we? Uh, does your Bible have a, a heading, a division between verses 21 and 22? Mine does too. What a dumb thing to do. That is terrible. You know the headings are not inspired, right? You're aware of this fact. You're aware that the verses, the verse numbers are not inspired. You're aware of this. Okay. I often forget this too because we break them up into chunks. But if you just kept reading it as one story, okay, notice what happens next. And tell me this is not hilarious in context, okay? Do you have eyes and yet fail to see? Remember that line, okay? Ready? Verse 22. They came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. Now, this gets even better, okay? Does your Bible say some people brought a blind man? Does it say some people? Does it have a footnote? Yours says they. Good. That's what it should say. Mine has a, it says some people, and then it has a little A for a footnote in the margin. And it says in Greek, it's they. Here's the difference. They uh, said to him, seven, responding to Jesus, right? And then he said to them, do you not yet understand? They came to Bethsaida, probably Jesus with the apostles at that point. And then some people, they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. Oh, you see that, don't you? Do you see what the disciples just did? Jesus kind of hurt my feelings. Have eyes but can't see. <laughs> I'll tell you what, let's go get a blind guy and bring it to him. That'll show him. Hey, Jesus, heal this guy. He really is blind. He has eyes and he can't see. That's hilarious. Oh, you know that the disciples of Jesus had a little back and forth, right? This is totally what they're doing, I think. They bring the blind guy to Jesus and they beg him to touch him. I wonder if they're being a little sarcastic when they beg him to touch him. 
well, come on, Jesus, you're trying to help us see. Maybe you can help this guy see. I mean, he's having more trouble than we are. Oh, oh, oh and, and, and. They came to, where did they come to? Bethsaida. Oh, are you ready for this? Back whenever he, Jesus was walking on the water and he you know, said, I am, and he intended to pass them by and all that stuff. And then he hops in the boat and the disciples are like, great, the bread. Do you remember that story? Do you know where they were heading to whenever they got in the boat and then got stuck? Bethsaida. Oh, man. They arrived and they're still obsessed about the bread. And they've had enough of Jesus being mean to them, or so they perceive it. And so they bring him a blind man. Yeah, we have eyes but can't see. You know, this guy, Jesus, he really does have eyes and can't see. Mm, that is brilliant. Verse 23, he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had put saliva on his eyes, let's pause there. What? Does anybody else ever read that and go, what? He put, okay, so how did this, it just says put saliva on his eyes. I mean, did he spit it directly into his eyes? Come here, guy. I like or did he just like, did he spit it in his hands first, get it warm, you know, be nice, and then put it... I mean, why? What a weird thing to do, yeah? I, I don't know. It's weird. Put saliva on his eyes, and then laid his hands on... You couldn't have just laid your hands on him. You had to spit. I mean... So then he lays his hands on him, and he asked him... Can you see anything? Are you checking your work? You're Jesus. I, you read that at first and you're, it's like a, he's spitting on it, which is weird. Then he, he lays his hands on him. That makes more sense. Lays his hands on him. And then he says, can you see anything? Is it working? I'm kind of having an off day. I don't, I don't know. That's not what he says, but that's the way I read it at first. Because I'm like, what? It's Jesus. Jesus does not have to check his work. People, right? So what is he doing? Did it work? Can you see anything? What do you see? And his response cracks me up even more. And the man looked up and said, well, I see people, but they look like trees walking. What? Oh, I see people, but they look like trees. What? Question, why would he see people? He led them outside of the village. The people are inside the village, not outside the village. He's out, it makes it sound like they're kind of, you know, out in the wilderness, kind of out, in the, out on the outskirts of town, right? People are in the village, not outside the village, at least not in large groups. So what people is he seeing? What people is he seeing? The disciples. Of course they came with them. Oh, that's even funnier. The blind guy that they brought to Jesus to be like, yeah, Jesus, mm -hmm, yeah, heal this guy. He can't see. Then this guy looks up and he says, well, I see people. They look like trees walking. And I, this, is, this is in parentheses. This is in the Greek or something. You just got to read between the lines. I swear to you, Jesus mumbles under his breath and says, no kidding, they're dense as wood. That is exactly. He says, yeah, no kidding. I see people, but they look like trees walking. Oh. And then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again. It's a double healing from Jesus. Did it not work the first? Sorry, didn't take. Let's try that again. What? Oh, this is crazy. 
Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he looked intently, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. That's interesting. He looked intently. Is there some aspect in which he's got to put forth a good faith effort that if Jesus is going to heal his eyes, he's got to actually use them? Not just be like, well, I don't think I'm... But to actually, like, to look. Have you ever looked at something and not really been looking at it? You know what I'm talking about? There was a, there was a commercial for a movie a while back. I never saw the movie. So if it's a terrible movie that a preacher shouldn't watch, don't blame me. I just saw the commercial. But it was something like they were going to the Grand Canyon... And then they're standing in front of the Grand Canyon, and they're like, wow, we'll tell people we stayed longer. Let's go. And then they hopped in the car and left. It's like that. Sometimes there's something in front of you, and your eyes glaze over, or even if you're like, yeah, that's, that's cool, but you're not really perceiving it. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you've got to look intently, intense, looking with purpose at something. And this guy looks intently. I wonder what he's looking intently at. That's my question. Is he looking at the trees again? I don't know. He looked intently, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. He sees everything clearly. Even though he was blind, I think he's been looking quite a bit more intently than Jesus' disciples have. And I think he's seeing things that even Jesus' disciples are not yet seeing and then verse 26, then he sent him away. Jesus sends the, the formerly blind man away to his home saying, do not even go into the village. Translation, just stay out here. Go on your business. Don't go in the village and tell anybody. Again with the secrecy. Now this one makes sense because of the double healing. I can see why you wouldn't want word to get out about that one. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, just to put my cards on the table, I don't think Jesus had a divine power outage, Okay. <laughs> But the prophets, and Jesus is a prophet, the prophets are notorious for doing weird things to catch your attention. You know this. Isaiah, you remember Isaiah? Walked around naked for three years to prove a point. Okay? Hosea married a prostitute to prove a point. Ezekiel cooked with poop to prove a point. This is in your Bible. I couldn't make this up if I wanted to. Jesus, okay, his signs are not as extreme, thankfully. But the double healing, after a story about disciples who, my goodness, are just not getting it, do you see the sign act that our prophet Jesus is performing? Sometimes you've really got to keep coming to Jesus for him to put his hands on your eyes, maybe even get a little gritty with it and spit right in there if that's what it takes to get you to see something to appreciate what's right in front of your eyes. And by the way, just because Jesus is not standing in front of me in the way that he used to stand in front of people does not mean that he is not everywhere to be found in this room. But wait, there's more. It's like an infomercial. But wait, there's more. The passage that Rosemary read for us this morning is when Peter confesses Jesus as the Messiah. Question, did Peter get it right? Yeah, you got it right. Or did he? Keep reading. Because again, the, the headings are not inspired. There, is there a heading between verse 30 and verse 31 for you? Okay, Rosemary's Bible. We all need to use Rosemary's Bible because she has like no headings in there, okay? Blah for the rest of us, okay? There's one for me. Verse 31, this is right after Jesus 
Peter says, you are the Messiah. Jesus says, yes. And then he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Verse 31. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must, 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 must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. Question. Is this optional? Is this a, we'll go to Jerusalem and see what happens? Kind of play it by ear. No. The Son of Man, Jesus, must do these things. Must do these things. Now, I get aggravated whenever we um, hodgepodge the Gospels together because God didn't write a Gospel called Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If there is, I can't find it in my Bible. I have Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, who were each individually inspired to tell the story of Jesus their way which is one of the reasons I love to focus on Mark. But I can't resist. If you go to John, Jesus, whenever he's turning water into wine, do you remember what he said to his mother whenever she said, I need you to you know, help us? He said, woman, it's not as offensive back then. It means ma'am. That's the equivalent. Ma'am, my time has not yet come. There's a timeline on this thing because the Son of Man must do these things. And let me tell you, Jesus is not the first one in this world to show up and say, I'm the Messiah. There were hundreds and hundreds of people who showed up before and after Jesus who said, I'm the Messiah. And they all had a formula. You ready? Here's the formula. I'm the Messiah. And they got a gathering going, and they got a bunch of followers, and then the Romans heard about it, and then they crucified him, and then their followers scattered, and then that was the end of it. Every single one of them. Except one. People had an expectation for what it meant whenever you claimed to be the Messiah. It was actually rather common. Okay? So for Jesus to start saying, I'm the Messiah, or for others to say, you are the Messiah, Jesus says, that's right. Let's not tell anybody yet. Because I must, 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 must undergo great suffering, be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. That is verse 32. He said all this quite openly. The secrets are kind of starting to lessen at this point. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Oh, Peter. I really resonate with Peter. He's very headstrong, isn't he? He just, he just acts first, thinks later. I, bless his heart. What did he rebuke him with? What did he say? We're not told. But in between the lines, I think it's something like this. Jesus, silly, silly Jesus. You don't understand how this works, Jesus. The Messiah doesn't die. <laughs> That's ridiculous. The Messiah kills. The Messiah conquers. The Messiah beats those stinking Romans and takes back the land for the Jews. That's what he does. Watch this. Verse 33, but turning and looking at his disciples. Jesus sees clearly, by the way. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. And he said, get behind me, Satan. For you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Okay, you know that's not made up because nobody would want to recount a story where they were called Satan. Man, bless Simon Peter's heart. Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Um, did Peter get the confession right? He had the right confession but the content of that confession was not all there. Do you see that? 
Peter, he is the Messiah, but this is not the gospel according to Peter. This is the gospel according to Jesus. Jesus defines what it means for Jesus to be the Messiah. Peter does not get to define that for him. He doesn't get to rebuke Jesus and say, no, 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 that's not how a Messiah works. Messiahs conquer, they kill. Jesus says, no, I'm going to be killed, suffer, die. Three days I'll rise again. Hmm. And he called the crowd and his disciples and said to them, if anyone wants to be my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. If you're getting in the way, the Jesus way, it leads straight to the cross. It's a way of dying, not of killing. That's how it happened for him. Well, for the Messiah, he's not going to kill the Romans. The Romans are going to kill him. But get this, in that way, he did win. Of course. Because that's not at all how I would have thought it would work. Um, flip maybe a page over in your Bible. I just want to point one thing out in chapter 9. The transfiguration, I can't, I'm not going to read the whole transfiguration because I will get way off in the weeds and way distracted on what the purpose is for the sermon. So I won't read the transfiguration, but you remember the transfiguration, Jesus' face changes, blah, blah, blah. Okay, at the end of the transfiguration, verse 9, as they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen. But there's a, there's a difference here. You ready? Comma, until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the last charge to secrecy in Mark's gospel. Last time. Because it's getting closer and closer. They're heading to Jerusalem now. And once he goes to Jerusalem, there's no stopping this thing. It's like a water let out of a pool. There's no turning back at this point. The path is set. And Jesus says, don't tell anybody what you've seen until. Now there's an until. Now there's a point at which you no longer have to be secretive. Okay, I know I've made you turn. Turn one last time. I promise the last time to the end of Mark, chapter 16. Do you notice anything weird about the ending of Mark in your Bible? Is there anything weird in your Bible? Is there any, like, asterisk or brackets or footnotes or anything? Anything weird? Yeah. After verse 8, there should be like some brackets or a heading or something that says something like the shorter ending of Mark, the longer ending. And I'm like, look, I don't get to choose a shorter or longer ending. You've been to the movies, right? They don't be like, all right, uh, we've come basically near the end. All right, here's ending number one. And here's the ending of, that's not how this works, especially in a historical account. That's ridiculous. Um, here's, the, here's the thing. Um, don't call me a heretic for this. Probably, after verse 8, it's not original to Mark. Probably it was added much, much, much later. So when you look at the earliest writings of Scripture that are on manuscripts and papyrus and stuff, after verse 8 doesn't show up until many centuries later. The absolute earliest versions stop at verse 8. And that's why it says that. Probably Mark stopped at 8. Now, did you read verse 8? <laughs> you can see why they would want to add an ending. Get this. So this is Mary and uh, so this is Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome. So they, those three women, went out and fled from the tomb. For terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The end. 
Roll the credits. What a terrible ending for a gospel. <laughs> you can see why you would want to add an ending to that, yeah? Some people say, oh no, Mark originally had a better ending and then mice ate it or it disintegrated or, you know, a kid accidentally did his art project on it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, actually, probably, truthfully, you ready for this? Probably that's how Mark wanted to end it. <laughs> what? And they went out and told no one, for they were terrified. The end. Okay, now, now think about this for a second. Um, okay, well, actually, back up for just a second. In verse 6, this angel is talking to the ladies, and he says, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place where they laid him. In other words, um, Jesus said, Don't tell anybody until after he's risen from the dead. He's risen from the dead. Verse 7, But go tell his disciples and Peter, don't you love that Peter gets a specific shout out? Go tell the disciples and make sure you tell Peter. <laughs> That's hilarious. Go tell the disciples, all of them, but make sure you tell Peter. Oh, man, I told you it must happen, Peter. I told you there's some back and forth between the disciples and Jesus. Go tell his disciples and make sure you tell Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee and there you will see him just as he told you. Even more, I told you so, Peter. Oh, told you so, Peter. And then they went out, fled the tomb, terror and amazement had seized them. They said nothing to anybody because they were terrified at the end. Okay, question. You're in the first century. Probably you don't read yourself. Probably you hear the gospel read to you. Okay, most people were illiterate. I am the person reading scripture to you today in the first century, and I end with terror and amazement sees them. They said nothing to anybody, for they were terrified. The end, come forward, always stand and sing. What is your natural reaction in that moment? The smart aleck in me, you ready, is going, well, you just told me. Right? They told nothing to anybody, but they were terrified. You sure? Because I'm hearing it right now, and nowadays I'm reading it. You sure they told nothing to nobody? nobody? Really? And you can imagine why Matthew, Luke, John, everybody else is like, no, they told people, duh. But Mark, I wonder if Mark does this on purpose. Maybe we're supposed to read that and go, Pugh. all this time he says, don't tell anybody. What do they do? They tell people. And then he says, go tell people. And what do they do? They don't tell anybody. The secret is over. Secret secrets from God's son. Secret secrets killed God's son. Those secrets are what took him to the cross in the proper timing for the things that must happen. But now that he's risen from the dead, the secret's out. It's out of the tomb. And with it, our proclamation Terror and amazement seized them. I think the reason they're terrified and amazed is because they don't understand. Nobody's been understanding anything that Jesus says in the Gospel of Mark. Everything he says, they go, huh. And Jesus says, but where are the used to the Pharisees and Sadducees? And they say, because we forgot to bring bread in. No. Everything Jesus says, they can't figure it out. And then exactly what he told them would happen happens, and they're like, what in the world? I never saw that coming. 
Really? You didn't? He told you it was going to happen at least three or four different times. And they said nothing to anybody, for they were terrified. Um, I still think that's a terrible ending if we leave it there. The reason I think Mark ends that way is because the ending is not up to Mark. The ending is not even up to the Marys. Ending is not up to Matthew, Luke, or John. Ending of this story is on whoever's reading it. The secret's out. Are you keeping it a secret? Has terror and amazement and lack of understanding kept you from sharing the secret? I'm telling you, it's the best kept secret there ever was. Secret secrets from God's son. Secret secrets killed God's son. And secret secrets rose God's son from the grave. So quit being secretive about it and go share it with everybody. The word is out. And so is Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Text and Context podcast. If you're interested in some other great content, then you can go over to my website. It's txtandcontxt.com. It's text and context without E's in it. So again, that's txtandcontxt.com. Head on over there and check out a bunch of free resources and plenty of articles about a wide range of topics, as well as book reviews and plenty more. Thank you for listening.